We've got some great news from San Diego Comic-Con for Once Upon a Time, but don't worry because the first few minutes of this are spoiler-free. You're listening to Once, episode 201, News and San Diego Comic-Con. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Hunter Hathaway. And I'm Jacqueline. And we are happy to have you joining us. If you haven't already, go check out the website over at oncepodcast.com, and we'll be telling you about some really cool things coming up soon. But we have a lot of information to share with you, or rather, I should say, Hunter and Jacqueline have a lot of information to share with you. Yes. Welcome to Midsummer Spoilers. Yeah, so well, not yet, but Midsummer Spoilers soon. Yeah, don't worry though. I'm still trying to stay spoiler free, so we are going to first have some non-spoiler conversation about some cool things that were mentioned at San Diego Comic-Con as well as some cool news items for you and some stuff that we think you might want to know about. The first of those being that the pre-order for Once Upon a Time season 4 is available, and if you first saw it when we first announced it, You might have seen the price was really high for the pre-order. Well, that has come down now. Amazon has adjusted the price as they do whatever Amazon does. And if you go to oncepodcast.com slash season four, you'll be able to pre-order that from Amazon. Right now, I'm looking at prices around $50 for the Blu-ray and around uh, $40, just under $40 for the DVD. And those prices will fluctuate a little bit. But the cool thing is if the price goes down when you pre-order you get that lower price before the item ships. And the season four Blu-ray and DVDs will be available on August 18th. I'm really looking forward to seeing some of the stuff on these. And Hunter and Jacqueline, are there certain things that you've seen about the disc set or features that you're really looking forward to? Well, there was something shown at Comic-Con. It was a little snippet of one of the featurettes that is going to be on the DVD, and it's an entire special about people who stayed behind in Storybrooke once the ice wall fell, and it stars uh, Patton Oswalt. Some of you may know him from a couple different TV shows. It was was funny. It was written by Jane Espenson, so you know that it's hilarious. (laughs) It was cute. It was cute. I look forward to seeing the whole thing. Yeah. Or was that the whole thing? I heard that it was a little bit more. Okay. That there's going to be some more. And I really like some of the little tidbits we got from it, like that the dry cleaning is pressing matters in Storybrooke. That's kind of charming (laughs) in a season one type charm. (laughs) Yeah, it's really cute. There are going to be other things, of course, like bloopers, deleted scenes, uh, some commentary. Do we know yet which episodes are getting the commentary? I don't think we do. No, I I don't think so. We don't have a whole lot yet, except that we've seen the cover. The cover came out pretty early. Yeah. And it's it's the um the season four A image that probably most people were familiar with, which is the frozen apple with icicles and then you see Elsa's eyes in the background. That's really kind of all we know right now. Yeah, five discs, Blu-ray or DVD, and there will most likely be exclusives on the Blu-ray edition yeah. again. Like that we've seen that every year that they've done something either extra commentary or an extra video something like that 
uh, and we can hope that they'll include some great extras and bonuses and I always hope for more director's commentary on these, but we'll have to wait and see. So pre-order that right now. Go to oncepodcast.com slash season four. And when you purchase through that link, that does help support the podcast as well. So you're getting something awesome. You're supporting the podcast, and we really appreciate that. And speaking of supporting the podcast, I want to thank some people who specifically donated to this episode of the podcast. It's a big list. So here we go. David Newland, Steve Johnson, Lisa Slack, Tracy Anderson, Daniel Clark, Swan Got Hooked, Marianne Lavati, Jessica Olson, Amy Cadillier, Tappenberg, DJ Firewolf, Sweets, Melanie, Jessica Abel, shortly away from Jessica Alba, I guess, and Lisa Donahue. Thank you very much for your kind contributions. And we also have 16 backers on Patreon. Thank you very much for your support. We really appreciate it. If you have previously backed us on Patreon and contributed to the podcast, there's something really important we need you to do, and that is to update your contributions on Patreon, because we switched from charging per episode to now just charging per month. So before, what might have happened is maybe you gave a dollar per episode to us, and you set your monthly cap at $4 per episode. So then if we released eight episodes in a month you would still only be giving us $4, so it wouldn't exceed your budget. Well, now that we've switched over from the per-episode donations on Patreon to just a straight monthly donation model, it didn't carry over your monthly cap limit. So if you were donating $1 per episode before, now you're donating $1 per month. So you may be intending to donate $4 per month, but it has you set to donate $1 per month. So if you want to update that, then please visit the link over at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor and click on the Patreon banner. And that can be a great way that you can support us there. We're going to start giving you some extra features if you contribute to the podcast over on Patreon. Just recently, I mailed out some cards to uh, certain donation levels. and they, They got nice little packs of cards for One's Podcast that they can share with their friends. We'll be releasing some bloopers, some unedited video recordings that we've done, and some other cool stuff over there. So check it out. And thank you very much to all of our kind contributors, especially those who continue to contribute over the summer hiatus. Our expenses continue over the summer hiatus, so we really appreciate the continued support. Please remember to update your Patreon support if you need to, and you can find all of your options to support the podcast over at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor, and we're very grateful for your support. Let's talk about some of the cool things from San Diego Comic-Con. I did not watch the panel because I was in my little corner. I didn't want to be spoiled. So what are some of the cool non-spoiler things that came out of Comic-Con? I, I, I've got some notes in front of me. So tell me about some of the things that Emily DeRaven or Bell uh, said from Comic-Con. All right. Well, Emily DeRaven thinks that Belle should take a long vacation after the past few seasons. <laughs> she deserves uh, it, it. Yeah, she she deserves a vacation, a couple weeks on a sunny beach somewhere. With a good I have book. to agree because Belle's been put through the ringer lately. <laughs> um, she also said that Belle needs to put down her foot in terms of her relationship with Rumpel. Hmm. Obviously, at the end of season four, Rumpel is in a coma and Belle is just coming out of that somewhat weird relationship with Will. And, you know, we, we don't really know where Rumbell stands at the end of season four. She obviously still loves him. He obviously still loves her. But it's going to be interesting going forward to see how those two either 
call it quits for good or manage to come back together. So when you're saying put her foot down, are you saying that like she sets up boundaries and says, no, Rumpel, you can't do this anymore? Or are you saying like, no more murdering peasants, Rumpel? (laughs) (laughs) Get that on a t-shirt. Yeah. (laughs) I'll tell you more about t-shirts in a few minutes. She also clarified something that a lot of people had been talking about during the second half of season four, which was that when she was at the wishing well, um, she was completely under Regina's spell the entire time. It wasn't that Belle was speaking and then Regina started to control her with the heart. Mm. All of that scene was Belle under Regina's spell. And we had been talking about that a bit during that episode. Um, I think I referred to it as Heartgate mm. yes, when we talked yes, about did. it on the podcast. So even yes. the beautiful things that she said were Regina's doing. Yeah. <laughs> Hmm. Regina's got a little bit of a romantic streak in her, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) So, so basically when someone is being controlled or or when someone has their heart being used by someone else during that time, when their heart is being used by someone else, they are fully being controlled by that person. But otherwise I think we can assume that that person is kind of on a sort of self-managed, somewhat free will state. I guess hearts and heart controlling keeps getting complicated because i mean hook had free will somewhat in the first half of the season but he you know was obviously still under rumple's control when rumple sent him to kill the nuns or hat suck them so (laughs) i'm never gonna get tired of talking about hat sucking (laughs) um so, yeah, I guess there's still some free will, but once that person has your heart, you're in their control. And speaking of free will, how does that tie in with some of the stuff that the author has been doing? I know there was some clarification of that. Yes. Um, for the most part, all the characters have been operating under their own free will. Um, the author only interfered just a little, and we saw probably most of the times when he did interfere. Um So what we've seen over the past four years was all the characters, not just the author, writing their own stories. That makes a lot of sense then, because I can see that he'll change a detail here and there. It's kind of like the butterfly effect. You know, going back and stomping on a butterfly doesn't mean you actively control everything that happens after then, but you've influenced it. You've put things in a different direction, and that's kind of what the author did it's kind of like sending someone on a path, but then whatever they do on that path, they're entirely in control of. Right, which is right. pretty much exactly what we saw in the Best best Laid Plans episode, where all the author did was really tell Snow and Charming, you may want to take this path instead of that one because of reasons. And then they ended up sending Maleficent's baby through a portal. <laughs> And I can see that when the Sorcerer's Apprentice said something like, how could you make me do that? It wasn't that he was being controlled, but that he had no other choice, basically, because of the path he was on. Correct. On the day that we're recording this, it's Lana Perea's birthday. Happy birthday, Lana Perea. And she had some cool things to say as well at Comic-Con. Tell me about that. Um, she talked a lot about what it's like for Regina being around the heroes all the time and how this has changed Regina's perception of what it means to be good and what it means to be a hero. 
you know, in the in the past, like season one and season two, she viewed the heroes as an obstacle to her happy ending. But she's over time come to see that they are good intention. They're not necessarily out to get her. Um, and a lot of this also is because she's been around Henry so much and the love she has for her son. And now Regina believes that she can have happiness and love in the form of Robin Hood. And Sean McGuire added to this that he thinks Regina is really Robin's true love. Well, they've been destined to be together. Yes, pixie dust doesn't lie. No, it does not. But how does that (laughs) play in the void in Regina's heart as a result of the dark curse? Apparently that void can wear off. But one thing I'm thinking of is this ongoing relationship with Henry and his two mothers, and mirror that or compare that with the relationship Emma has with her parents and how Snow and Charming then had another baby and were able to kind of start over. What do we know or what can we speculate from what was said about Robin and Regina possibly being able to start over together? Well, they didn't really come clear and say if anything was going to happen, but you never know. There could always be a potion that would reverse the effects. We've been talking about this kind of on and off since the season ended over at the forums, and there's kind of two lines of thought here. Some people are convinced, like myself, that Adam and Eddie are going to go the super fairy tale romantic route and say that the true love of Robin and Regina cures Regina of her barrenness and that they will end up having a true love baby together without any kind of magical potion. Then there's another line of thought that thinks that Regina may take a page out of Snow White's book and cure her barrenness by drinking from Lake Nostos, which is what Snow did back in season two. Either way, I think everyone believes that they probably will end up having a child if we get to that point in the show, but it's just a matter of how that happens. They certainly have their options open based on past events of how they could do that. And it's fairy tales. You can make anything happen. I just don't want it to be in the same view of Snow and Charming who wanted a second baby because they had missed everything with Emma. Because Regina obviously was there for the entire time that Henry was growing up. And Robin's been raising Roland since Marion vanished. So I'm kind of hoping that maybe, and don't don't kill me, outlaw queen shippers. Please don't send me hate. I'm almost kind of hoping that they don't get to that point in the story. Because I think there's something kind of beautiful about Regina, Robin, Henry, and Roland coming together as a family and that being enough. You know, that's everyone's happy ending at that point. And they don't need anything more because they have this great family. That would be in line with what Regina even said in the last episode of season four, how she said basically her happy ending did not rest in one person, but it was more a result of her choices, what she was saying to Zelina in the um, hospital prison cell. (laughs) Yeah, that really her happy ending is kind of finding her own place in the world. And I think that her place is having atoned for everything that she did do as a villain, 
being with her true love, being with her son, and being with this new family. And I don't think they necessarily need to add another child on top of that for Regina to feel complete. And what then, uh, we mentioned the Charmings. I see something interesting that Josh Dallas said. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He really enjoyed the guy liner from being dark at the end of season four. So who knows if we'll get to see that somewhere because he liked it so much. I wonder if we're going to start seeing Emma in evil looking or darkish look. I mean, I know Emma, she already wears eyeliner. Uh, I have a wife. She's taught me about eyeliner stuff from (laughs) the way that Emma wears hers. Uh, But uh, it does make me wonder, are we going to start seeing Emma in certain makeup that makes her look darker? Uh, Hunter and I have no comment. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I know the answer, but she's going to be a dark person. I can only see... When everyone seems to go dark in this show, they get like the thick eyeliner put on. Yeah. Like Regina has it. Hook had it. Everyone's got the dark eyeliner in some fashion. I'm looking forward to seeing how they treat her makeup. Because what they typically do with female actresses in movies and TV shows is they always try to showcase their beauty, even when they're doing something odd, like painting them green or something else. And so how would they do that with an actress like Jennifer Morrison? And how would they make Emma look dark or look like the dark one and still maintain that beauty? Or would they? And I I know you probably can't respond, but it's something I'm looking forward to seeing how that turns out. By the way, there's a really neat video. This is the one video I watched from Comic-Con that we'll have in the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 201. And it's a, a teaser for season five. And there there are no spoilers revealed in it. There's no new footage. It's just a montage of previous footage that the way they pieced it together with Snow White's narration over it was just really neat and makes you really like build an anticipation, or at least for me, build an anticipation for, ooh, Emma's going dark. What's this going to mean? What's it going to be like? So check that out in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 201. And just so you know, there are two versions of that, and they're both pretty much the same. There's a shorter one and a longer one. Okay. I don't know which one. We'll probably get the longer one. In It's the like the notes. two minute, two and a half minute one. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I yeah, saw. That's the longer one, but they did make a short one too. What about Jennifer Morrison? What did she have to say? She said that Emma's confidence was really shaken last year because, you know, Emma's always kind of believed herself to be good. And last year, that was really tested, especially with um, the murder of Cruella and then her reaction to seeing Lily again in that episode, Lily, when, you know, she pulls a gun on her and holds it to her head and. I think for a little while, we all thought she might actually kill her former best friend. And so going forward, that's going to be, you know, in the back of her mind all the time. Her reaction to the darkness. And there were things, too, with Hook, even. And, of course, all the stuff with her parents. And just, yeah, a lot of things. Her her, uh, former almost adopted mother and uh, with the Snow Queen there and all of the strange things with that. Yeah. 
I, I can see that you add all of that together and then pour in the whole dark one stuff or the darkness actually literally enveloping her like this. And it could, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really cool. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Emma's got a lot of issues. You know, we, we've known this about her since the pilot. And like Rumple, these issues kind of, I think, will probably manifest themselves while she's the dark one. You know, Rumple was a coward and suddenly being the dark one made him braver. And he was able to do things that peasant Rumple never would have been able to do. So, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Emma is now that she's had the darkest darkness poured inside of her. What about Colin? I know he was there. What were some of the things that he had to say? Well, he said that Hook has been trying to be better for Emma because he was, as we all know, he was evil and he's trying to be good. So now he's like the good side while she's evil. He also said that if Hook could get the author to change anything for Hook, it would be to have two hands. He doesn't want the hook anymore. It does surprise me that he didn't get his hands back in some way, even when he learned from Rumpel that his other, his actual hand was not literally influencing him to do things. It was just all in his head. It's all in your head. Uh, that <laughs> he didn't at some point make some kind of deal with Rumpel again to get that back. My thought is, is he's Captain Hook. He needs to have a hook. Yeah. I don't. I know he wants his hand back, but he needs his hook, at least in my eyes. I feel like he would miss that hook. He likes using it a little too much for yeah. him to ever really give it up. It's quite handy. I mean, you ha- <laughs> we have pictures of Colin, like, not just on set, not filming anything, and he's just using it to hold a cup of coffee. <laughs> so I feel like he would miss his hook. <laughs> who else was on the panel who had something interesting to say? Well, Rebecca Mater, who plays Zelina, was there. And uh, <laughs> Yvette Nicole Brown, who was the moderator for this panel. She did it last year as well. She started off by telling Rebecca Mater that Zelina scares her. Um, and Zelina said, or <laughs> Rebecca Mater said, that's why she loves playing the Wicked Witch so much. Because of how crazy Zelina is. She loves playing this psycho. And... It obviously comes across in her portrayal. She really goes to town with that. And then she also said that Zelina thinks that she is her own hero. Hmm. So that actually kind of makes me wonder if we're going to see the redemption of Zelina or not in season five. I know you know probably spoilers of what characters are returning, and I don't. So let me just share, and I'm not expecting a response from you, uh, but... What I kind of feel like is that at the end of season four, we had the resolution of Zelina's character. But then again, it seemed like at the end of season three, we had the resolution of <laughs> Zelina's character. Yeah, Daniel, they killed her and she came back. So <laughs> No one is actually dead. No but one on this show is dead. They They killed her body, but they didn't kill actually her because her life force was in that jewel. <laughs> now they need to destroy that jewel Uh, well i think that's interesting this idea that maybe we got a resolution with selena but at the same time she's carrying a baby and there is this rule in literature called chekhov's gun and you don't put a gun on the wall in the first act unless you intend to fire it in the second 
at some point, this baby has to be born. We can't just put the birth of a child off screen. That's true. I forgot about the baby. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like Zelina will probably be making a reappearance. And I can see that factoring in a lot with how Regina and Robin then continue to relate because now they've got this baby that's from another mother and <laughs> I assume that they will adopt the baby or Regina will adopt the baby as her baby. So that baby will grow up knowing uh, its father, which would be Robin, and knowing its mother as being Regina. So once again, Regina would be adopting a baby. So does she really need to have the ability to give birth again? Might not but will be the baby come out green? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I still find the whole situation between Robin, Zelina, the baby, and Regina to be squicky. I still don't see how to how you can resolve this and have it be palatable for anybody, <laughs> which is why I think at some point they're going to be doing the redemption of Zelina, yeah. probably through childbirth. It'd be it'd be interesting. Yeah, to see. Yeah. Now, something cool I wanted to share with you and mentioning Zelina reminded me of this. We have partnered with a company to bring you some great Once Upon a Time t-shirts. These are not all our designs. In fact, we haven't uploaded our own designs yet, but we've curated some of the best looking t-shirt designs on a website for you. So if you go to oncepodcast.com slash t-shirts, there are all kinds of great looking t-shirts on there. And uh, just to share some of them with you to read what's on the t-shirts, there's one that says, not evil, dear, wicked. And there's one, uh, there are a bunch that have Hook or Hook and Emma. There is one that simply says Storybrook. You can have one that has the Storybrook crest or the Sheriff Department logo, uh, Mr. Gold's Pawn Shop, the Storybrook Country Bread. Uh, there are a lot of t-shirts with Stiltskin or Mr. Gold on them. That's some really cool designs. Some of them look really funny and cute. Some of them look really serious and menacing. Some of them look just beautiful designs, split personalities to some of these. Some really great looking things that fans of the TV show have designed these shirts. And you can check them out at oncepodcast.com slash t-shirts. If you'd like to contribute your own designs as well, you could either do that through the site or you could send them to us and then we'll tweak those for the site and then upload it as a t-shirt design that would be available too. And if you see other t-shirts on that website, let us know and we'll add them to our specially curated list of these Once Upon a Time t-shirts so we can keep this list going for some great t-shirts. And I'm looking forward to getting one of these myself and wearing it for future podcast episodes. So check that out at oncepodcast.com slash t-shirts. One of the really cool things that's coming up for Once Upon a Time is its 100th episode. So yes. tell wow. me, tell all of us about what's going on with the 100th episode, because I know they're tweaking the schedule a little bit for that. Yes, um, they're working hard on writing it. I think they're working on that now, but we do know that it will be the spring premiere. Which is weird <laughs> well i guess i guess it's not weird um unless you know you had planned in your head how the season was going to go like i had but <laughs> um I, we think the schedule is going to be that they're going to be doing 10 episodes in the fall and then they'll be doing 12 
in the spring instead of doing 11-11 split like we've been doing for the past two years. Although this last season, what we got was for those first 11 episodes, yeah. one of them was a two-hour long episode, and yeah. we still got 11 episodes. So we got 12 hours of content. Maybe they'll do something like that to kind of make up for it. Like maybe they'll give us a, a double length episode. I know we probably can't tell we, yet. We don't have anything like that yet. I, yeah, don't I actually know. don't have anything like that. So I, I don't know. But I just thought it was weird because I've been saying since season four ended that the 100th episode would be the finale of the winter finale. And it would be, you know, breaking Emma's curse, probably with True Love's Kiss. And, you know, that would take us into the second half of the season, having had this really momentous, big 100th episode. So when Adam and Eddie said that it's actually the spring premiere, I don't know. It kind of makes me think that maybe one of the storylines is going to be running a whole year instead of it being broken into two separate arcs, like having Neverland and then Oz. And... That 100th episode, they they clearly want it to be something special. They've said that. And special could be cliffhanger or awesome resolution, or it could be special as in the launch of something new, a new story arc, something amazing happening. And 100th episode is very important to TV shows. There are a lot of uh, great significances behind that, especially in, involving syndication and it's just a big milestone for any show to reach. So I know we'll be really looking forward to that 100th episode. And that will be, do we have an actual date for that yet? Not no. yet, but it will probably be in March. Yeah. Because yeah, we normally take January and February off. Right. Yeah. So we might have an extra break, an extra week before Christmas when there would normally yeah. be an episode, but they'll be ending it a week early. But Once Upon a Time does return on September 27th, Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and that's on ABC. We will be watching it. We'll have our initial reactions podcast live. I don't know yet the exact schedule on our initial reactions because um, Jenny and I will be moving out west to the Phoenix area and plan to be in our new home by then. So I don't know how things will work out with time zones and how I will be able to watch the show and when we can do a live initial reactions or who will be doing it and what. But definitely keep an eye on the website and we'll let you know before it comes out uh, what kind of schedule adjustments might need to be made. But I think we'll continue our regular full discussions being on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. And if you're ever in doubt of when the next Once Podcast episode is, just go to oncepodcast.com slash live and you can see the schedule there. So we got one more thing fun out of Comic-Con that we can tell you about. And do you guys all know those Funko Pop Dolls? Yes. Okay. D explain them. I'm not sure, but for everyone else and for me, explain them okay. a little more. They are, I believe it's a Japanese toy because everything cool comes out of Japan. And they're little figurines that you can sit on the desk, you can sit them on bookcases, they have tons of Disney characters, Game of Thrones, you name it, and they are pretty much are coming out with characters for it. So, Once Upon a Time is getting some. Emma, Hook, Snow, Charming, Regina, and Rumple will all be out in early October. Awesome. 
Yeah. Some of them are really cute. Others, I think you kind of have to, like, really look at because they showed pictures of them. But, like, oh, wait, yeah, that's who it is because they're really oddly mm-hmm. shaped. They have very large heads. Like, very large. Like, it's most of the figurine is a head. Yes. But those will work, look great on a shelf or right there next to your collection of Once Upon a Time discs and plush toys and t-shirts and whatever other Once Upon a Time swag you can get your hands on. Yes. Available in October, then you said, mm-hmm. and we'll have links to those at some point on the website, but we'll have some links for more information about them and some pictures in the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 201. One last thing I want to say before I let Hunter and Jacqueline go into the spoilers is thank you for the kind reviews in iTunes. In our last episode of the podcast, I shared all of the different countries that had reviews in them, and I have two people to thank for reviews this time in iTunes. Rose58 said, awesome podcast. I love this podcast. I love to listen live on Wednesday nights, and I wish I could watch live on Sundays. And Rose also said, I love once and appreciate the time you take to help add to the experience of being a fan of the show. This podcast is like an extension of the show that I look forward to every week. Thank you very much, Rose. And that's Rose who was with us at the finale party as well in Cincinnati. And we also got a review from Karen in Sweden. And her review said simply love from Sweden. And also it said... Basta, or I'm probably butchering the language, but it looks like it says Basta once podcaster or once podcasting. So that probably means something like love once podcaster. I'm guessing what that means. You I didn't could run translate it. Through it? Translate. Come on. <laughs> you know what? Here, let me do this. I will run this through Google Translate. Use the almighty Google. I'm surprised you didn't have it all broken down into like so many different things beforehand. That's what it says. And the English translation for that is Best Once Podcast. Thank you very much, Karen and Rose, for your kind reviews in iTunes. If you haven't reviewed us in iTunes or Stitcher and you'd like to, then please go to the podcast website over at oncepodcast.com and click on the iTunes link, the Stitcher link, or subscribe to the podcast in whatever app or player that you prefer. We've got several links over there. And if you ever need a link for your specific podcast app and we're not in it, you can just email us and let us know. Now, speaking of email, we'd love your feedback for future episodes of the podcast. I don't know quite what we'll be doing over the summer because my schedule is really weird with trying to move to Phoenix. So you can always send us your feedback to email feedback at oncepodcast.com or call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221. Or go to the website and send a voice message through the website at oncepodcast.com. Please connect with us on Twitter at oncepodcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Roman Noodle. I'm Hunter Hathaway at Bit of Pixie Dust. And I'm Jacqueline on Twitter at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. And for Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon, that's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And Aaron on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. I want to thank you for listening. And have a happy ever after and spoilers coming up next.
Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to be one of them or to update your Patreon contribution, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And thank you very much for your support. We could not do this without you. So it is midsummer, right? We've been in summer for about two months now. And we just had yep. the wonderful San Diego Comic-Con this past weekend here out in lovely good old California. And we got tons of spoilers for you guys. We do. And some of this stuff we're going to be talking about um, is also pre-Comic-Con because we did get some spoilers before Comic-Con as well. So we're going to yeah. be giving you everything we have. And they just started filming season five on July 6th. So everything is starting to come all at once. Yeah. Make sure you stick around for the uh, filming news because I am confused. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's start with San Diego Comic-Con. They had an early morning Saturday panel i thought 10 a.m was quite early for me i think it's the earliest they've ever had their panel normally we're kind of in the middle of the afternoon yeah um by the time i woke up yes i wake i live in california for those of you that don't know right now and i live 15 minutes from where this was being held and i woke up and i started seeing all this news i'm like it's only 10 a.m like why is everything coming out now oh because that's when their panel started yeah. But yes, it- I, on the other hand, was camped out on Twitter with <laughs> 10 tabs open trying to keep the forums updated. So, <laughs> OK, but the <sighs> the panel was hosted by Yvette Nicole Brown, who you may have all known from the TV show community. And she was also the voice of Ursula back in episode 306 Ariel. And she did host this panel last year. Yeah. I, for some reason, did not. I knew that last year, but I don't know why I didn't put her with Ursula. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with the Dark Swan teaser. Right. We touched on this a little bit with Daniel. Um, It doesn't show anything really new. It's all just footage from the end of last season. But I did really like Snow's monologue that they were playing over top of it. Yes. First off, I'm glad it was Snow. Right. Because I think lately the Emma Snow dynamic has been mm, harsh. And (laughs) I I was glad that it was Emma's mother who was begging her daughter to come back into the light. Right. And this wonderful quote from it was, remember who you are, resist temptation. I will not lose my daughter to darkness. Yes. And I kept saying I wish there had been more. And like I said, there are two of these teasers out there. And this was the short one was the first one I saw. And then when I saw the other yeah. one, I'm like, okay, it's much better now. <laughs> so if you're going yeah. and you're finding these things online, I think they're going to put it on the show notes. But you want like the two and a half minute one, not the other one. Yes. And all of the clips that we are going to be talking about, they are at the forums at once podcast slash forums. We have an entire thread completely devoted to Comic-Con. You can find it in the season five spoiler section. It is currently 16 pages long. But if you just take an afternoon and go through it, you will see a lot of other cool stuff, including tons and tons of pictures. Okay. So then we got a sneak peek. And yeah, <laughs> let's talk about this. Okay. Peek. So the big question is, where did Emma go at the end of the finale? And then we see the sneak peek. And did you want to talk about this one? Okay. Let me first state that 
after we saw this, there was an interview with Adam and Eddie in which they said the sneak peek is not canon, meaning it's not going to be in the premiere. What they wanted to do was just give a teaser as to what you can expect from the Dark Swan. Kind of like how we had a teaser for Hook, we had a teaser for Ariel. We So this, this clip isn't actually a part of the premiere. Okay. So we're in the Enchanted Forest. It appears to be a prison. Mm-hmm. And a peasant delivers food to the Dark Swan, Emma. Yes. Um, she's got on some new clothing which we'll talk about in a second. <laughs> she's also very sparkly. Yes. And she's missing her eyebrows. <laughs> it's um it's it's a weird makeup job. I'm I'm just going to say it. It's a weird look. Yes. She looks kind of alien. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm just a- someone on Twitter likened her to looking like the Borg Queen from Star Trek. <laughs> and if you go and Google Borg Queen, you will see what I'm talking about. But this a peasant who's delivering her food comes in and is shocked to see that Emma is, in fact, a beautiful woman because he thought the dark swan would be a monster. And she says only on the inside. And then she rips out his heart and crushes it and then just kind of, you know, looks into the camera. And it's this obviously this new evil Emma. Yeah, I am so not a fan of this new look. I really don't like it. Now, before we saw the sneak peek, there was an article that was a first look at the Dark Swan, and she, it was obviously, part of it was from this, this clip that they then showed at Comic-Con. Do you want to describe the clothing? It's not flattering at all. Like, okay, if you're comparing it to Rumpel, it's very Rumpel style, but the top is a lot looser and bigger, and it goes up her neck, and... It just does. I'm sorry. That I can't describe it. I just don't like it. The way I kind of thought of it was, it's kind of uninspired. I was expecting her to still have this ethereal beauty, mm-hmm. but kind of a darker ethereal beauty. I mean, she's the dark swan. I right. feel as though we should incorporate some feathers here somewhere. She looks kind of and- like the ugly duckling to me. Yeah, it's all harsh black leather. It's she's got these um what I guess are stiletto knee-high boots. Yeah. Like I mean, they could have done something really cool if they made it all tight and dark fitted and like pattern in the leather or something, but it just does nothing. This costume. Right. And what was cool about Rumple when he was dressing as the Dark One was it incorporated this crocodile skin and this kind of rock star quality because that's how Rumple viewed himself. And then the crocodile skin obviously a tie into the fact that he's really also the crocodile from Peter Pan. Right. I don't get her look. It just looks like she's military and harsh and her hair is all slicked back into this very tight and controlled bun. Like I said, she's sparkling. <laughs> I, w- I don't mind the sparkle because, as you saw, that's what Rumple had as well. He, as he got darker, he got more. I don't mind right. that. She's not green, though. She's not. Right. Or She's not green, though. Let's put that yeah. out there. She's sparkly. She she glitters like the vampires do in Twilight. In Twilight, <laughs> yeah. But her hair, I could so picture her, like I said about the outfit being like more, I don't know. If you think Regina, when she's evil, she gets slutty. Right. And see, I wouldn't, 
I don't care that she's not showing a lot of skin. Like, I'm perfectly okay with them right. covering her up. It's just that this is so drab. It is. Like, I could see some, like, in my head, I can picture, like, this gorgeous, it could be all black, but it's got to have patterns in it and stuff like that. And her hair all down, but with, like, the really dark marks around her eyes, kind of, like, really heavy eyeliner and the um, smoky eye effect. And I know the guys are listening to this going, what are you guys talking about? But every (laughs) girl out there knows what I'm talking about. And that's just what I pictured. Yeah. Um, Over at the forums... Our listener, Fee, had this really great idea that they somehow should have incorporated in her red leather jacket because that leather. I was thinking bright red lips. Yes. You know, somehow, because that red leather jacket is so iconic to Emma in that it is her superhero cape. Right. You know, that's that's what she suits up in when she needs to go be the savior. And so if you somehow deconstruct that red leather jacket, so maybe now it's frayed and messy and worn, it really gives a sense to the fact that, yes, you are looking at Emma, but you're not looking at the savior. Right. And so. The takeaway here is that this costume is just really uninspired and kind of a letdown. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but going on with this, let's move on because I could talk about this outfit forever. Right. Jennifer Morrison is quoted saying, I'm really excited as an actor to be able to start, and I'm quoting start because she does say it, season five as a showing of a show in doing something brand new is so exciting. Um. Meaning she gets to do something new and mix it up. And after five years, I can see that. But I love that they said start because we'll get to see how it transforms. Yeah. She says that there's something really fun to the villainy of this. And I'm guessing that there could be. Well, because she's going to be getting some new powers. Yeah. I'm excited to see how you turn true love baby, true love incarnate into the dark one and how that's going to manifest in her powers because emma on her own has become more powerful in the past couple seasons yes you know she it doesn't take her forever to do something anymore she kind of almost is at regina's ability to just shoot magic from her fingertips yeah will we get to see a new savior this season and they said yes yeah some of these questions are from a recent hot seat that was put out um, and so you guys know the hot seat drill. You either get a yes, no, can't say, or they do a lot of dancing. Yes. I do think the new savior, by the way, I'm going to go ahead and put this out there. I think it's going to be Hook. Oh, see, I was thinking Lily. Oh, uh, See, I think Adam and Eddie are still suckers for the idea of true love's kiss. And I'm still predicting that Emma's dark curse will be broken with true love's kiss via Hook. Okay. I still think that's how this is going to end. Okay. So, another question was, will Emma have a split personality issue being the savior and the new dark one? And I'm, they say, yes. I could see that. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I don't quite know how that's going to come across in television. Is it like Gollum and Smeagol from <laughs> Lord of the Rings? You know, is she going to be having, like, a conversation with herself? I don't know. Or is it more like Rumple where... You see the shades of who he was before the curse when he lets down his guard. Yeah. I don't know. So that'll be interesting. But speaking of Rumpel, would you like to talk about we learned from him at this Comic-Con? Always. Always. I love talking about Rumpel. So um, 
the incarnation of Rumpel this time around is slightly different, according to Robert Carlyle. He's lost his mantle as the Dark One, but that's not to say he doesn't have that trickery about him. He still has that. And Gold is still presently in a coma, so he's not doing too much. Yeah, he's probably just laying there. We still have to get him out of that coma. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Belle is doing her research. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Henry. And big thing at the end of the last season is he broke that the author's quill. And it turns out it won't be forgotten and or it won't it wouldn't have turned out well, I guess you could say. And cuz nothing could possibly go wrong with breaking something like that. Once Henry realizes that Emma is now the Dark One, he's probably going to regret destroying the author's quill. Yeah. You know, he had a reason when he did it. He doesn't think anyone should have that much power. Um, because look at what the author before him did. Look what Isaac did. And But now his mom is an unholy mess. Yes. And I'm sure he's going to want to somehow course correct that. And I wonder if finding the sorcerer will be able to help make a new quill. I was wondering that too. Okay. Because <laughs> we do have – they. They won't forget that because they made too much of a big deal of that at the end of the episode of him snapping it. Yeah, hopefully. Okay, so um, in case you don't remember, we are going somewhere new this season. And we're going to be talking a lot about Mm -hmm. this. And we are going to Camelot. And it looks like Hook may have a connection to Camelot. And I'm really confused at how they said this. So... Adam Horowitz. I have no idea. Do not ask me to clarify. Okay, I am going to read this, and I'm going... It's all in quotes. This is exactly what he said, and this will confuse you just as much as it confuses us. Camelot exists in a parallel timeline. It's existed. How we portray it and show you it's existed long ago, short ago, and maybe in the future. It may have coexisted back when Hook was in the Royal Navy. My guess is that Camelot is in some kind of time bubble. Yeah. That it exists outside of time and is unchanging, which I guess kind of keeps with some of the Arthurian mythology that it, you know, Camelot is this place, time immemorial, and, you know, Arthur someday will return and Camelot could potentially return. So my thought is that it exists in this little tiny bubble in the enchanted forest somewhere that no one has ever found and it's just been completely unaffected by everything we've seen in the show so far exactly so it it wasn't swept up in the dark curse either the one regina cast or the one that snow and charming cast it has been completely isolated away from everything yes so the big thing that happens about season five or later in every show is they do a musical episode. And a question was asked from an audience member if there was a potential musical episode. And the cast said they're all, re- yes, they would love to sing. Um, over in the forums, my co-mod, Matt, has suggested that maybe the 100th episode will be a musical. Ooh. And that's the big shiny thing that they're going to promote is that it's going to be a musical except adam and eddie have said that they wouldn't even know where to start right um now are they doing that to throw us off i worry about those two writing a musical you know i think they always like to tease a musical episode or say that they would be willing to do it because it's something that is obviously so 
tied to the Disney world, but I actually doubt that we're ever going to get that because I mean, how do you do a musical episode in a show that is not a musical in any way, shape or form, you know, without looking like you're stealing from Joss Whedon, who the, the amazing life changing Buffy episode, right? It made sense because a demon comes to town and makes them all sing and dance, but you can't have that in once upon a time without it obviously being a riff on Joss Whedon. They just have to meet up with Gallivant. <laughs> no, no. Gallivant and ones are not allowed to intersect, ever. That is that is a line in the sand. Um, I mean, I do so, understand that we're, like, taking it from Josh Wheaton, who is a god in my mind. But there's other shows, while it might not be full musical, they did have musical numbers in it and i could see i don't know maybe a spell gray's anatomy exactly how i met your mother that kind of stuff like they all have a song or two in them and i think that would be really fun to see i don't know how well it would work i could see maybe as a great like extra on a dvd or something like that that i could live with you know if if Snow suddenly bursts into the the song from the Snow White movie, I'm wishing or something, you know, if they make it tied to Disney, then maybe. I just don't know if Adam and Eddie can sit down and write a full hour of a musical. Right. It's just not what they do. Very true. So let's get on to this very last piece of wonderful news that if you have been living under a yes. rocket, you don't know. But other than that, it's everywhere. Yep, this is the big jaw-dropping, wait, what moment of Comic-Con? Yes. This I didn't see coming for a second. I did not see it coming at all, but I am the most excited. Go ahead, then. Okay, Merida from Brave will be coming to Once Upon a Time. She's going to be played by Amy Manson. Um, you might have known her from Being Human. And they, got, they showed a little uh, clip of her and her wonderful archery skills. Yep. I'm going to, I think. It, no idea how she fits into this season. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> I'm going to guess she's in the Enchanted Forest because it kind of looked like the same footage that they always use. Right. And she was wearing the long blue dress. Yes. And she did have some some very pretty red hair. Yes, a little bit. Not nearly as crazy as Merida from the film. No, not that crazy, but it was still really big and curly. So I'm so excited for this. Yeah, there. I have no idea how she's fitting into this season, which is why I I think that the story of Camelot might actually be a season long story, like the author was last year, and that Merida is going to be the focus of the first arc okay. somehow. I maybe I don't know. I just when they announced that she was coming, I kind of went, well, that was unexpected. Yes. But I'm really excited because she's my favorite princess. I'm excited for you. Okay. So with that wonderful casting news, let's move on to casting because we've got some wonderful news for you guys. We do. And this is all stuff that we got before Comic-Con. So we're kind of going back a little bit and we're going to tell you everything we've gotten in the months since once went off the air. Yes. So the first big news is Rebecca Madar and Sean McGuire have been promoted to series regulars. Yep, so that's Zelina and Robin Hood. Yes. Not at all surprising about Robin Hood. No, not at all. 
more surprised about Zelina. Yeah, but we do know she's giving birth at some point this season, so that might be part of why. I don't know. Right, and I think that it's going to be the second half because she's nowhere near birthing period right now. I mean, she's at most maybe two months pregnant. Yeah, but do they do a time difference where people are trying to figure out what's going on and stuff? Do they skip ahead two months? They might, but... They've said that they're going to pick up season five right where we left off. So unless there's a huge time jump in that first half, it's going to have to be the second half. And Henry's just looking too old for it. So, Oh, my gosh. Jared Gilmore, you've got to stop growing. We need a time jump here, people. Okay. Yeah. So we do have a little sad news. At least I was. Yeah. Rebecca and Sean obviously joining. It means that Michael Saka is no longer a series regular. We're they have said that they hope to maybe see Will a couple more times. You know, they they love his character. They love Michael Saka, but he's no longer a series regular. I personally think we're never going to see Will again and that we'll never hear what happened to Anastasia. Yeah. I just don't think they did enough with his character last season at all. They did such a disservice to Will Scarlet and his, you know, Michael Saka who was just great as Will in Wonderland. Yeah. There was really no reason to bring him over for what he ended up doing. Right. He could have, that role could have been played by just about anybody. Yeah. So. So sad. Okay. Let's, let's let him rest in peace. (laughs) Yeah. And like I said before, we are off to Camelot this season. So Lancelot, uh, Cinqua, I'm thinking that's how you say it. Is that how you say it? Okay. I think so. Cinqua Walls is coming back, so I'm not sure what this means. Adam and Eddie have always said Cora lies, or, you know, why would we believe Cora about anything? Right. So because we never saw a body, no body, no death, it's possible that Lancelot is still alive somewhere. Or we could just be seeing him in flashbacks, which makes a lot of sense since we're going to Camelot. Right. Which is in its own little bubble. But we presumably, yeah. Yes, <laughs> we did get um, a casting for King Arthur. We've got Liam Garen, and he was in Silent Witness, Twenty Four, Live Another Day, and this will be a recurring role. Yes, we also got a description of Arthur um, before they actually cast him, and this is the description for. Camelot's king. He is described as a good and just ruler who, beneath the surface, is a master manipulator who can carry a grudge to the grave and maybe beyond. He harbors an eternal burning love for Guinevere that can lead towards being a bit controlling. For this role, once aims to cast a gent in his mid-30s to early 40s, and again, a British accent is mandatory. This just doesn't sound like the author the Arthur I know. <laughs> yeah, this doesn't sound like Arthur. Um, this is strange. Yeah. The the good and just, just ruler, yes. The burning eternal love for Guinevere, yes. But this idea that he's a master manipulator and controlling, that I'm having a little bit more trouble with. He was always fair and just. Like, that's just how he was. And he was... Right. I, yeah, that, like I said, doesn't make sense to me. And going back to what we said earlier about 
Hook's connection to Camelot, that he may have a connection to Camelot. If you look at pictures of Liam Garrigan, who was playing Arthur, there's kind of a resemblance. Yeah, there's a lot of resemblance. There are a lot of theories going around right now that somehow, magically, don't ask me to deconstruct this timeline, I've given up, (laughs) that somehow Arthur is Hook's father. Okay. So there you go. You never know. Okay, let's move. Somebody's got to be related to somebody. (laughs) Okay, moving on to Guinevere. He's been cast by Joanna Metris. And she's in the new movie that's coming out, The Man from UNCLE. And she was also in a Portugal film, and I am Sanias de Vida. Um, Sure. Yeah, she hasn't done much here in the U.S. She's done a lot of work over in Portugal, though. And the casting call we got for her, uh, the casting call for Guinevere, meanwhile, seeks a Latina in her mid-20s to mid-30s to play a headstrong queen who fell in love with her husband's most trusted knight, the dashing Lancelot, previously played by once upon a time Sinqua Walls, but supposedly dead in the current timeline. Now she must balance her own happiness with the well-being of Camelot. So, yeah. More of that. Flashbacks. But says supposedly dead. Supposedly dead. No one is dead on this show. Right. And we've got Merlin. Yeah. I'm so excited for Merlin the wizard. Um, He's going to be played by Elliot Knight, and he's been in Sinbad and How to Get Away with Murder. And... Again, we have a casting call, and here it is. Once is seeking a black Brit in his early 30s to early 40s and boasting a natural British accent to play a man with great wisdom and intelligence beyond his years. Someone who has always put duty in front of his own desires, even at great personal cost. Which is true, but you know what? I still see that description as Arthur. That's just me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So obviously they're doing a lot of race bending. Yes. Because King Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table and Merlin and Guinevere, that's very much a British story. Mm-hmm. And we have um, a Caucasian Arthur. We have a Latina Guinevere and a black Merlin. So, yeah, they're doing some some race bending here. I think it's interesting that Merlin is in his early 30s. And actually, the actor they cast, Elliot Knight, is quite a bit younger He's, I think, about 28. Yeah. So they and they did cast young. him quite young. He's in, very young looking. Yeah. In uh, How to Get Away with Murder, he looks like he's like an undergrad, but he's a, like a grad yeah. student. But that's actually pretty true to, our, to the story of King Arthur and Merlin. In T.H. White's The Once and Future King, Merlin lives backwards. He gets younger as the world gets older. Okay. So I'm guessing that if they cast Merlin to look this young, we're going to learn that he's actually really ancient. Yeah. And last but not least, um, Percival, one of Arthur's most loyal knights, has been cast by Andrew Jenkins. And you've seen him on The Killing and Wayward Pines. Yep. So that's going to be exciting. I am excited to see how these characters interact with ours i want to see their backstories and either how true or how not true they're going to be sticking to the authorian mythology and where meredith fits in yeah 
<laughs> then there's Merida. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to episode 501. We've got First it. episode of season five. Yay! So we got a title, The Dark Swan, who did not see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Writ- obvious title is obvious. Yes. Written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. And it's directed by Ron Underwood. And guess what? We have a script to Yay! It's the first reenactment of the year. <laughs> and this one, guys, this one is to die for. Yep. So Leroy has this line. And would you like to perform it? Absolutely. Okay, so this is Leroy, also known as Grumpy. <clears throat> what? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Now, why did you say it like that? Because it could have been like, what? No, it's Leroy. He's probably shouting. <laughs> this, I'm sure this what will be followed up by, she's here, she's here. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Okay. So moving on, we got a couple little extras for you. Um, the one thing that we really need to talk about that we haven't talked about much is Lily. Yeah. Um, the hunt for – well – Edward Kitsis has said the hunt for Lily's father will not start until at least episode five. We've, we intended to tell that story at some point this season. We set it up for a reason. That is one we are definitely intending to do. Um, I had predicted that Lily's father was going to be Merlin, but now based on casting, I don't think that's true anymore. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously Lily is white and so is maleficent but marlin is being played by a black man so maybe it's not anyone connected to arthur at all yeah maybe i mean it it would make sense to make it arthur since he's often known as arthur pendragon and lily is in fact a dragon right but if they're not going to set it up until episode five and we're only having 10 episodes in the first half maybe this is actually a story that's going to be a longer one i wonder if this is going to be henry's new mission oh gosh operation dragon (laughs) yeah i think that i don't know i mean we need something for henry to do that's true but yes so this is going to be a very fun season and they've already started filming like i said and we got some wonderful filming shots. And by wonderful, we mean confusing. Yes. So the first one I... S- I don't understand any of this. Okay. <laughs> so let's just see. The first one was Merida, which we've already talked about. Right. She's definitely in that blue dress. You know, she's got her bow and arrow. She looks like Disney's Merida. Right. She's she's out in the... By the way, all these shots thus far are being out in the woods, like the Enchanted Forest. They're not in Steveston as of yet. They will be later this week i believe okay so then we get to see regina and she's actually holding roland like carrying him around and Mm -hmm. henry's there and he's just getting too tall yeah he really is so she's got her little family with her and then right okay there's emma yeah emma's been in two different outfits so far Mm-hmm. Um, the very first day that they started to film, which was actually before Comic-Con, she was wearing what was described as a gold and beige dress in the Enchanted Forest style. But she was talking to peasant Rumpelstiltskin. Okay. So I don't, 
I don't know what that's about. Like, everybody was thinking, okay, maybe this is a dream sequence. Maybe Emma goes back to the past. But then they come back after Comic-Con to start filming, and Emma is now wearing a peasant outfit. It's this long, drab, gray gown. Yes. And Rumpel is in his dark one outfit. Yes. But it gets weirder. (laughs) And (laughs) because Regina, Snow, and Charming are in their Storybrooke outfits. Uh Uh-huh. And Hook is in kind of his modern pirate outfit. Yeah. So I don't know what time we're in. But do you want to hear the strangest part of all? Go ahead. Granny's is in the middle of the woods. <laughs> like, not Granny the person, although she is there. Beverly Elliott is on set. I mean the restaurant. Granny's has literally been transported to the middle of the woods. Yeah. It's so, so strange. So I give up. <laughs> I don't know. I'm starting to wonder if it's a flash forward. If they're... Could it be like a dream sequence and she doesn't really, her mind is confusing everything? Maybe. I don't know. It's just very strange that Granny's is in the middle of the woods. Or it could be like, um, you know how in A Christmas Story, how the ghost brings him back to the past, present, and future? Maybe Rumpelstiltskin is like the ghost and he's like taking her around and showing her different things. I don't know. Okay, sure. I don't know. Maybe. This is me just talking. I don't know. Because King Arthur is there too. Yes! Because we have... <laughs> okay, so we have Arthur and he's leading the way. And right behind him is Emma in her peasant outfit, like linked arms with Hook. And behind them is Charming, Snow, and who's that someone else? I think it... Uh... Percival? Maybe Percival, yeah. And since they Zelina, Zelina's there. Yeah, Robin is on set. By the way, he's been walking around too. Yeah, but um, like I don't get this because like the storybook I'd, gang is all together, and then you also have that picture of those group walking together, and I am so confused. One of the theories that Fee over in the forums postulated was that maybe everybody, including Zelina, for who knows what reason, gather at Granny's with the dagger and, you know, do some sort of take us to Emma spell. And it literally picks up Granny's and takes them to Emma. Kind of like in a green tornado. But then how did the Charmings get in their enchanted forest outfits? I, I don't know. And it doesn't explain why Emma is wearing what she's wearing. It doesn't explain why Stiltskin is in his dark one outfit. I, I don't know. I don't know. But we were lucky enough and we did get to see the first looks of Camelot. Looking right. all nightly and medieval time-ish. Yeah, it's got some banners flapping in the wind. I think that's it. I think so. We threw a lot at you guys. Yeah. It was fun. We're going to have more, hopefully, next month. I'm, I'm hoping Daniel will let us give you guys some more in a month or so, because we're going to be getting a lot more soon. Yes. And I'm keeping a lookout for as soon as I know the um, synopsis of episode 501. Well, that's all we have for you this week. I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. And I'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me on Twitter at Punk underscore Bunny underscore 87. Until next time, Oncers, and don't forget season five premieres on September 27th.